guys so much for being so gracious. I know my voice has been weak this, this whole week. I know it's been shaky. I've had a little bit of medicine head and everything else. But I just want to thank you for this opportunity. I don't do many revivals at all. The reason I don't do many revivals is because, as a pastor, I've got responsibilities where I'm at. And I love my church. And as you saw, they came. A bunch of them, a whole herd of them. The whole flock and herd of them come in here. And uh, I, I love them. And so my heart's there. But I do appreciate these opportunities every once in a while. And I really do appreciate Joe. And I can tell you this, he never was little. I heard him say, when I was little, no. His little was still bigger than I ever will be. <laughs> A littler. Younger. Younger. Okay. But I want to thank you for this opportunity. And I talked to my wife this afternoon. And she told me, she said, honey, be sweet. Don't say anything mean. And don't say anything stupid. So it's been real nice being here with y'all. I'll see you. <laughs> Uh, so we're going to be in Romans. <clears throat> we're going to be in Romans 8. We're getting there. Let me just give you a little bit of background. The book of Romans has a lot to do with uh, a restoration. It has a lot to do with faith. It has a lot to do with uh, redemption. And as a matter of fact, 40% of the time you read the word redemption, it, it's actually in, in Romans out of the New Testament. And righteousness. 40% of the time you read the word righteous or uh, righteousness, it's in the book of Romans. And so there's a lot to that. If you want to know where we are as a culture, read Romans 1. Romans 1 gives that, that terrible outline of what happens when a culture walks away from God. And we're there, aren't we? And so I know most of you have read the Bible and you understand what I'm talking about. If not, you ought to read Romans chapter number 1 sometime and it de deals with the judgments that, that people are going through, that nations go through when they walk away from God. I jotted this down and it will kind of help you understand this message tonight because we're going to be talking about the believer's hope. We have hope tonight. You're not defeated. You ain't dead, you ain't done. You're not defeated. You may have a little wind knocked out of your sails every once in a while, but you are not through. You have not come to the other shore. And you may be going through a very tough time personally. You may go through tough times corporately as a church. But might I remind you that when you're going through those rough seas, Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forevermore. He's the same one who said, Peace be still and calm the raging sea. He's the same one who said, I'll meet you on the other shore. There was never any danger of anything ever happening because Jesus had already given His promise to meet them on the other side. Tonight as we look at Romans 8, as I get there, I want you to understand our culture has changed. I'm preaching to the choir tonight, am I not? But our culture has changed. We're seeing an unraveling of our Christian, Judeo-Christian culture in America. We see it evidenced in everything around us, from our entertainments to the public arena to politics. We see that unraveling of the Christian culture. What our grandparents and great-grandparents would have been ashamed of, we do openly. And many of the things that our grandparents and great-grandparents would have been churched for, we as Christians do openly. And we get angry when the preacher preaches on it. We see it in our financial institutions. Our dollar is not worth much. 
I remember as a young man thinking, my soul, I have a $100 bill. I can go to a gun show and buy a gun. You haven't been to a gun show and bought a gun for $100 in 20 years. So things just aren't the value. But what's worse with that in the financial system is that our government is working towards a cashless system. The whole world is. And folks, what that does is that's going to bring about the Antichrist. You know that, right? That's part of his system. So what that means is when we see these things in our culture, we need to look up. Our redemption is drawing nigh. Yes, we are on the rough waves and the rough seas. But Jesus is about to come into that rough sea and take us out of that storm. We believe in the imminent return of Christ. I do, do you? And so if we believe in that imminent return of Jesus Christ, as we see it getting rougher and rockier, then we need to understand He's about to show up. Then we also see it in the church. Not just in the culture, not just politics, not just finance, but we see it in our churches. We see a, a dwindling away. The Bible calls it the great falling away. The great falling away is not just that there will be less people in church. As a matter of fact, there are more people in church in America than ever has been before. But there's more people in America than there ever has been before. The great falling away is that we fall away from the doctrines of the truth. We fall away from some of these scriptures that I'm going to read to you tonight. Folks, we are supposed to be Bible-based. And so when the church goes away from the Bible, when the preachers stop preaching the Word, and they go to preaching social things, and preaching family issues, and preaching government issues, instead of preaching the Word, our churches get all unraveled. Our young people in our country, as I told you before, in the window between 2025 and 2030, there will only be 4% under the age of 18 that will be able to articulate what salvation means. That's scary stuff. So with all that being said, I think we're in the boat that's starting to rock. So as you're in this boat that's starting to rock, dear Victory Way Baptist Church, as the storm rages, understand those waves might knock a few people overboard. But Jesus has never lost any. And so sometimes it may be that they get swept overboard. There may be another ship that they choose to allow them to rescue. So be it. It's okay. Jesus hasn't lost any. Sadly, in our generation, as the churches are rocking and reeling and the waves are crashing in, sadly, the ones that are primarily getting washed overboard are the ones who never have the life vest of salvation on to begin with. Remember the scripture, if they go out from us, they were never of us. And so don't worry about all of that. Just keep trusting. Just keep believing. As you see our culture go through judgments, there are going to be some direct judgment, cataclysmic judgments. I believe there can be some, some end time type judgments. We're not going to see that. God has not appointed us under wrath, church. We are safe in the arms of Jesus. There will be the final wrath, which is the lake of fire. Hey, I'm not going to be in that either. And I hope no one else in this room is. But there is a judgment that comes upon nations 
which is called abandoning wrath. Abandoning wrath is when God says, I've had enough of your culture, and then He changes and He moves on. In the book of Revelation, it calls it the lampstand moving. And so honestly, if we look around, we can see the lampstand is moving. Here's how you know. The lampstand is a representation of the bright shining light of the Holy Spirit. So we're not seeing the bright shining light of the Holy Spirit today. It does not mean the Holy Spirit is not here. It means the Holy Spirit is restrained. We are starting to see the restraining power of the Holy Spirit being removed from us and lawlessness is taken in place. Lawlessness of heart, lawlessness of mind, walking away from the Word of God, and then on the backside of walking away from the Word of God comes that action of lawlessness. The lying, the cheating, the stealing, the murder, the immorality, all of that comes. And we're seeing that just start to compound into a huge mountain. It's abandonment judgment. We cannot keep going, God bless America, when America has said, God, we hate you. But what you can do, dear Christian, are you listening to me? While you're rocking in this boat, as the waves are getting stronger and the storm is raging harder, is you individually can go to the Lord and you personally can have a mighty revival in your soul that has nothing to do with that world outside. You tonight can have peace, you can have joy, you can have hope, you can have love, you can have compassion, you can be a tender soul, or you can get your eyes on the storm and be very afraid and be very isolated and be very angry, even angry at God. Why, God, are you doing this to me? We're all in this boat together, Christian. We're all in this boat together, Christian. And we need to learn that. Tonight, as we go into the Scripture, I'm going to go into Romans chapter number 8. It is my intention, it is my heart, it is my desire tonight to encourage you, to edify you, to build you up, to give you a solid theological meat tonight so that you can be rejoicing in the truth of God's Word and you can be rejoicing in the God of truth that gave you His Word. We're going to talk about the believer's faith, the believer's promise, and the believer's victory. What's the name of your church? Victory Way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Victory is what we get over the world and over sin. And tonight, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have already been given the victory through the way. Let's go to our scripture tonight and pray and see what God has for us. Please, I implore you, pray for my voice. Verse number 24, Romans 8, verse 24 through 28. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray, for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, 
because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all... Let's try that one more time. We know that all things work together for good. There are things, listen, there are things that you cannot understand. There are things that are going to keep coming when you keep getting angry because you have not learned that all things work together for good. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we thank You so much for this night. I thank You, Lord, for the opportunity that You have given to me to be able to preach this week. And Lord, I know each and every service has been a different direction, a different flavor, a little bit of a different atmosphere, a little bit of a different focus. Tonight I pray that our focus can be on that great victory that you've already given us. I thank you, Lord, that if you should desire to come before I'm through praying, we'll all be together in glory, those of us who are saved. I thank you, Lord, that no matter what happens to me, no matter what happens to each of us, we know, Lord, that it is your will, it is your way, and we in everything ought to give thanks to you because it is the will of God in Christ Jesus for us. Sometimes, Lord, that's a very easy thing for us to do. Sometimes, Lord, it's a very difficult thing for us to do. But Almighty God, tonight I pray that You would help us to see from Your Scripture that You, God, know the end from the beginning. And You, God, have never lost one. And You, God, are able to keep us saved even to the uttermost. Lord, I love you tonight because you first loved a sinner like me. And I love you tonight because of the word that you have given. I thank you. I praise you. I adore you. And I pray, God, tonight if there's one soul under the sound of my voice that does not know Jesus as Lord and Master, Savior, that tonight would be that night of their salvation. And oh God, would you please encourage the saints? Would you please encourage them, strengthen them, and help them to find something to rejoice and shout about tonight? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to show you first of all that we have a believer's faith. Now many people have faith, but it doesn't mean that they have saving faith or believing faith. There's a lot of people that put their faith in religion. Would you agree with that? There's a lot of people that put their faith in the baptistry. They put their faith and they pray to prayer one time. Or they pray, uh, they have faith in their religion because they've gone through a catechism, or baptism, or some kind of a ritual. And you and I tonight know that are saved, that with the only faith that gets us saved is to put our faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I tonight have no hope outside of the cross. There is no help for us, hope for us outside of Jesus. Tonight, if all we have is a churchianity and not a real true Bible Christianity, the, there will be no heaven for us. You and I must make sure that we repent or else we will all likewise perish. We need to make sure we teach it to our children. We not only teach it to our children, but we teach them what that actually means. We don't just take them to church, but we teach them that when they get saved, they are the church. And it's more important to be the church than it is 
to go to church. Because once you are the church, you're just going to have a natural desire to go and be with the other part of the church. I love church. How about you? And the reason I love church is because of several things. One, I love church because it's there that we sing those old hymns. I love hymns. It's there that we learn about the Lord Jesus. I love church. How about you? And it is there where we learn what the Bible's talking about. We learn some meaning, some deeper understanding. I love church because that's where my closest friends are. I have friends in church that are closer than any regular family member anywhere on planet Earth. I love church. But one of these days, what we experience in church and what we love about church is not even worthy to be compared with what we're going to experience one second after we die and we are in the presence of our Lord and Savior. We ought to come to church to seek Jesus. We ought to come to church to look for the Lord, to listen for the Lord, to seek the Lord, to try to find His will, His way, to try to find from His Word. Would you agree with that? Tonight you and I can have faith, and how do we have faith? Because somebody took the Bible and taught us about Jesus. I remember as a young child going to uh, church every now and then with my grandma. And I'd go to church with my grandma, and and she gave me a little uh, pocket New Testament. I never read it, but she gave it to me. And I remember thinking that church was just so unusual. Everybody dressed different than anywhere else. Everybody talked different than anywhere else. I heard my grandma talking to people, that's sister so-and-so, and that's brother so-and-so. And when you go into that Sunday school class, you call her Miss whatever her name was. And it was so unusual. And I didn't understand it. And as a, uh, a teenager, when I went to church, and I, I just went in with Jill, and, and I was rejected at that church. But I was rejected by people, not Jesus. So I had two different emotions about what church was. I had this emotion when I was a child and when I would go to vacation Bible school, one of the greatest memories I ever have as a child was standing outside the door of the little Mennonite church down the road and we'd all line up, they'd line all the little ducks in a row and then we'd sing, bring it in the sheaves. Bring it in the sheaves. Y'all know that song, right? We'd sing that song coming in. And we'd line up by our classes and by our rows. And then the man would stand up and open this big book. And the man would tell us, uh, read to us. And he always read the same thing, John 3.16. And he'd say, now boys and girls, Jesus was God. And Jesus came for one reason, to die for you. Jesus came because He loves you. He wants you to be with Him. I still remember that. (laughs) Then, as an adult, I love to come to church, and you know what? I still hear the same message. When I was a child, I couldn't rejoice in it because I didn't understand its meaning. But there came a day when I went to church, and I don't know if I ever told you this or not, but the reason I started going to church was basically just to keep my family together. Everything was falling apart in my world, and so I started going to church, playing the church card. Little did I know that the Holy Spirit of God was going to get a hold of my heart. And do you know that when I was a child, there was a man that I knew nothing about the Bible, I knew nothing about Jesus, but that man planted a seed inside of me. And then, when I came an adult, and I'm sitting in church, just trying to keep my family together, and the preacher gets up, and he preaches, and he preaches on John 3.16. He went a little deeper into details. I remember he also preached about the cross. He preached about Jesus dying for the sins of the whole world, and he preached about Jesus dying for him personally. 
And if, if we were the only people on earth, we would still have to have Jesus die for us. And that Jesus loved us so much that he willingly would. I went to Walmart Park. Oh, I was in Walmart Park a moment I got saved. But I went to Walmart after church on Thursday night. They had revival all week. I went every night. I was under such Holy Ghost conviction. You see, something's missing in our culture. We don't have Holy Ghost conviction. And so I went to the, to the revival meeting every night. On Sunday night, I went home, and I was so convicted. Monday morning, I got up. I didn't even want to drive. I had my wife drive me to work. I was so scared that if I had an accident, I was going to die and go to hell. Tuesday, the same thing. Wednesday, the same thing. Thursday, the same thing. We went to that church on that Thursday night. And lo and behold, that man opened up the Bible and he preached to me about a man named Jesus. About a man named Jesus who came to this earth and he was a special man. He was 100% man and 100% God. And he preached to me as if I was the only one in the room. And he preached to me that there was this man, Jesus, who loved me. I never felt like I was loved by anyone. And this man, Jesus, loved me. And it's, it really, really impacted me. Do you all remember when you got saved? I was so under Holy Ghost conviction. My wife drove us home after that church service. Then we went to Walmart. We dropped the kids off at Grandma's. Went to Walmart. I'm in Walmart. I'm back in the gun section. I'm spinning the guns around looking at the guns because I'm trying to figure out why I'm so emotional. What is wrong with me? Why am I so scared? Why am I feeling so dirty? Why do I feel so rotten? And all of a sudden, all that message that that man had been preaching all that week started flooding to my soul. And I remembered that God loved me. And when I remembered that God loved me, tears started flowing down my, my cheeks in Walmart. I was 25. Then all of a sudden I re realized that if, if I was the only human being on the earth, I would have spit on Jesus. I would have mocked Him. I would have made fun of Him. And I realized that if I was alive when Jesus was crucified, I might have been one of them Roman soldiers that would have spit on the Lord. And he died for them too. <laughs> Tears were just flowing. And I went to find my wife and trying to find a woman in Walmart. You understand? Here I am, a 25-year-old man, weeping and crying like a baby. And I finally find her. She's got a buggy full of stuff. And I just said, you got to leave it. We went out into the car. Lo and behold, I get out into the car and I'm parked right underneath the light. Right outside the door. Where everybody's walking. And I'm sobbing. I'm sobbing and sobbing. And I don't know why. But it just kept overwhelming me that somebody loved me and it just overwhelmed me that somebody would die for me. It overwhelmed me that there was a man named Jesus who was God and came to die for me. My wife said, honey, you need to trust Jesus. I said, I don't know how to trust Jesus. She said, just tell him about it. So I said, Lord... I'm scared to death. I don't want to die and go to hell. Lord, I believe what that preacher said. I believe that you are Jesus. I believe you're God. I believe that you love me. I believe you died for me. I believe in you, Lord Jesus. It was on that night, sitting in that car, I confessed my need of a Savior. It was in that car Weeping and sobbing like a baby, I found the greatest joy I have ever found in my life. The Lord saved me, took those burdens, just lifted that 
all those burdens that were on me. My emotional burdens, my sin burdens. I felt so free. The next morning, I got up, I drove to work, every telephone pole looked like a cross. And I praised God. Listen, I'm a brand new Christian. And I'm going, oh, whoa, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There's another one. There's another one. Thank you, Lord, for dying for me. Well, there's another one. Thank you. And I was a basket case by the time I got to work. And I was the supervisor. And I walked in. <laughs> I walked in that place and I'm crying. I'm an adult. And all those guys are looking at me like, who died? Jesus. But he rose again. Jesus died for me. I didn't know how to say anything. I just said, I'm saved. And they looked at me like, I don't get it. You're what? I'm saved. I know Jesus. <laughs> what joy God gave me. Y'all remember that day? Do you remember that joy? Do you remember that emotion? Are y'all with me tonight? Now when we have that emotion, understand, that's believer's faith. You see, when I was a child, I was raised up in the Catholic Church. We never went, you see. Most Catholics don't. But when it came time for me to be uh, catechized, you got to go through the, through the class, and then you take your communion when you're t like 12 or 13. I was there so that I could be a good Catholic, you see. And if you'd asked me, are you, are you a Christian? Well, I'd have said, sure. But I had no believer's faith. Tonight I want you to understand that my faith is stronger now in Jesus than it was on that day because my faith is deeper now than it was that day. Amen. So watch this. This believer's faith is spirit-directed. Notice, if you will, in verse number 24. For we are saved by, what's that word, church? Hope. The word is the Greek word, peace, and it means expectation or confidence. We are saved by faith. We are saved by facts. We are saved by grace. We are saved by God. We have faith in the Lord Jesus, and we exercise that faith when we repent and believe. Don't let that word repentance trip you up. Most people don't even understand what it means. It simply means I was going this direction, realized I'm going the wrong way, and I want to go the other way. I was headed towards hell. Because of Adam's sin, I'm going to hell. And I was headed that way. I didn't want to go there. The answer was over here in the cross of Calvary. And I put my trust in the finished work of Jesus. He saved me. He saved me. He saved me. And I have never gotten over that. I have gone through a lot of heartache in my life. I've gone through a lot of pain in my life. Which tonight I'm not going to preach on. Because I, I don't like to give too much personal. But I can tell you this. I've gone through heartaches and pains and sorrows and church hurts galore. But I want you to understand that no matter how I felt, no matter what storm I was in, no matter how much the waves were raging, I know this more today than I know it, than I knew it the day I learned it. But the day I learned it was this that we have a Savior who holds us secure through the storms of life. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He never lost anyone. What a Savior. What a Savior. Our salvation is Spirit-directed in the beginning for saving faith, and then it is a spiritual faith from that moment on. How many of y'all go through times when you don't feel saved? How many go through times when you don't act saved? How many of you have gone through things where you realize if other people were looking at you, they might question your salvation? All of us, right? But aren't you glad that we are saved by faith through 
We're saved by grace through faith. It's not of works. It's unmerited favor through faith. Pistis, which is facts. We are saved by grace through the fact that Jesus died for us and we find that fact in the Bible and we hear about those facts from the preachers that God gives us. You see how it all works. It's a spiritual thing. He helps our infirmities. Look at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. That word infirmity means weakness. I'm a weak Christian. I might be a pastor. I might have a doctorate degree on my wall. But I am a weak person. There are things that trip me up just like there are things that trip you up. There are things that I will say that are ungodly. There are things that I will do that are unholy. I will sometimes find myself in a state of infirmity. He's not talking about that you have a crippled leg or you have a bad back. He's talking about those spiritual weaknesses that get you sidetracked. They get you down. They get you to the place where you're not living up to your potential. He's talking about those things that keep you from experiencing the fullness of the blessing of God, the fullness of the power of God, the fullness of the mercy of God, and understanding the fullness of the forgiveness of God. And he said that the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. How does he do it? First of all, he chastens us. Every son I love, I correct. Every son I love, I rebuke. How many of y'all know that God loves you a whole lot? <laughs> but I might I also remind you that the Holy Spirit is also the Comforter. The Comforter has come. We sing that song in church, the Comforter has come. And when the Comforter has come, He comforts you in your in inflictions, in your weaknesses. He comforts you. You do not surprise God when you do something that's very foolish. You do not surprise God when you do something that's very sinful. You have not caught God by surprise. And God knows that you one day are going to leave this world and be with Him. But until you leave this world and be with Him, there are going to be many storms, many trials, there are going to be times when you have many infirmities. You will fail God. You'll fail yourself. You'll fail your family. Come on. And all of those things happen to bring us to an understanding that we are not saved by ourselves. We are not saved by our works. We are not alone in the boat. We are all equal at the foot of the cross. We all experience the same problems. And we all have the same issue. S-I-N. Now, we're to confess our faults one to another. We're not to confess our sins one to another. I mean, I could tell you some stories about my sin, and you might like it. But we're not to do that. But I can tell you what my faults are. Anger. Bitterness, lust, greed. How about you? You see, those are faults. And when we go to one another and we confess our faults, it takes the power of the devil out. When we confess our faults one to another, then all of a sudden you realize, man, that brother, that sister has some of the same faults that I have. I thought I was the only one. How many of you all have your pet sin? You think you're the only one in this church that keeps doing the same stupid thing over and over again. You're not alone. You are not alone. Ladies, I don't know what your sins are. I'm not a woman. Men, we got a lot of problems. We have a lot of issues, don't we, men? And they cause us to have infirmities in our flesh. Well, might I just tell you this? Once you start admitting your faults, admitting your failures, admitting your weaknesses, admitting your infirmities, then you can find another brother who will be able to help you along that journey. 
Don't confess your sin. Only God can forgive sin. Only God has the power to cleanse you of your sin. But unrighteousness, unholiness, ungodliness, you take it to God. Faults and failures, you work on them together. And it is a spiritual work in the church. I want you to understand something, church. You're never going to experience true revival individually. You'll never experience true revival corporately until you learn that one lesson. And that one lesson is, is that you're all in the same boat. Now, if tonight we put all of us in an actual boat where you couldn't go out the door, get in your car, and drive home, and we were on an actual boat in an actual ocean, we would learn a lot about each other. We couldn't escape each other. We would have spats. We'd have arguments. We'd find out that we liked people we thought we didn't like, and we won't like people we thought we did. <laughs> you might move around on the boat a lot. <laughs> but the reason we don't do it today is because of fear. We're afraid of what people will say. We're afraid of what people will think. In the old times, and I remember on the tail end of it, on Wednesday nights, especially in our church, we'd have a testimony time. And those testimony times, they weren't this. They weren't just prayer, prayer requests and testimonies like, pray for Aunt Susie, she's got the gout. I remember the days. And I got in on just the tail end of it because somewhere along the line it stopped. But I remember men standing up just broken. I need to, I, men, I need y'all to pray for me. I have, I have been trying to quit drinking and I'm, I'm failing. Help me, brothers. I remember the times when, when men or women would stand up and they would confess that they were struggling with particular things, particular issues, and then we'd have prayer time and you'd see a little flock of ladies around these ladies and you'd see a flock of men around these men. And they'd all be praying. And we prayed all out loud all at one time. You see, it didn't matter what other people heard. It's what God hears. It was a very spiritual thing. And it made for a much tighter, much more tightly knit family. You see, when you experience a real revival in a church, you become family. When you experience real revival in your own heart, you realize that you're only a member of a family. Because real revival, when you get it in your own individual life, all of a sudden your life's not about you. It's not about your anger. It's not about your, your lust. It's not about your greed. It's not about your whatever. All of a sudden it becomes about somebody else. And when a church gets revival, all of a sudden you're not talking about your issues. You're talking about how you can get more people on the boat. You're not talking about the storm anymore. You'll know, dear church, listen to me very carefully. Listen to Pastor Paul and let Pastor Paul help you. This too shall pass. This storm that you have gone through, the storms that you will go through, the storms, they'll pass. And we're going to land on that shore one day. Amen, church? Are y'all with me? All right. Now, don't be quiet on me tonight. Now listen very carefully. So notice what he says. He says in verse 26, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. How many of you have gone through things you don't even know how to pray? Oh yeah, I have too. All of us have. Now listen, that's the time in which God prays for you. God prays for you. And notice the context. It's in your infirmities. There have been times when I have got myself sidetracked because of my sinful condition. 
when I ought to be loving God and ought to be serving people and I ought to be thankful for, for everything God's given me and I ought to be filled with joy. But no, I have allowed my flesh to win over. And I am now in a state of infirmity. And I couldn't find God anywhere. Stop and just let God find you. He'll leave the ninety and nine and come to where you are and rescue you. He will not leave you in the hard place. He will come and rescue you. How many of y'all have been delivered and rescued at least once already? He'll come and do it again. Why? Because our God never changes. Y'all still believe me? Let's keep going. We're going to get to the good stuff now. So we have a believer's faith. If I said to you tonight, how many of y'all are saved? How many of y'all would say amen? That's good. Let's try it one more time. If I said it like this, you know for sure that if the Lord comes back before I'm done preaching, we're going to be with Jesus. That's better. What if I said this? This is as close to hell as you're ever going to get. Yes. Amen. Let that faith bring you some joy. There's nothing wrong when you're going through storms, you're going through hardships, you're going through tough times to rejoice in the fact that you're going to be delivered and rescued one day. There's nothing wrong with rejoicing vocally, rejoicing inwardly, rejoicing outwardly. Just rejoice at your deliverance. Notice this, if you will. Flip back just a page. Romans chapter 5. I want you to see this. Therefore, verse number 1, being justified by faith. Remember, we have believing faith. It's not even... Did you, do you know the Bible says that we live by the faith of the Son of God? We don't even live by our own faith. There are times we can't even pray. He prays for us. We don't even have any faith. We have His faith. Man, I am so thankful that I am saved by Him, kept by Him, and I live by His faith. I'm a work of, of his, his workmanship. And the only time that workmanship gets messed up is when I get in the middle of it. When I keep myself out, God does real good. How about you? Yeah. Notice this. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. I want to tell you this, as you're going through a storm, whether it's a physical storm, whether it's a relationship storm, whether it's a church storm, I want you to know if you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God is in you. You have that spirit of peace because you have the Spirit of God and you have the Spirit of Christ who is the Prince of Peace. And you will have a peace that goes beyond understanding when you learn that you're not alone in the boat. And when you learn that other people are experiencing the same calamities that you are, the same issues that you are, the same stresses you are, the same sadnesses you are, the same problems you are, you're not alone in the boat. You are in the body of believers who experience the same things. Everybody with me? He said this, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. My rejoicing, my hope, my faith, my peace has nothing to do with my flesh. My flesh will fail me. My flesh is going to fail me. My flesh has failed me many times. But my God has never failed me. The Bible has never failed me. The Spirit of God has never failed me. The truth of God has never failed me. The love of God has never failed me. The mercy of God has never failed me. The grace of God has never failed me. The righteousness of God has never failed me. That's my God. And I want you to understand that we will never be alone. 
I jotted a couple of nevers down here. We're never alone. I mean, I'm telling you, you may feel alone, but your feelings are faulty. Stop going by feelings and get back to faith. Faith is pastis and it means facts. Get back to the facts and then all of a sudden you're going to find the hope. Hope is elpis, which is expectation based upon the facts. Watch. We are never alone. We are never unloved. We are never forgotten. We are never forsaken. We are never without hope. We are never without strength. We are never without support because we are never without our Savior. Never. Never without our Savior. I have been in the place where the Lord has had to leave the 99 and rescue me. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But I have also been part of the 99 and have seen the Lord go and rescue those who were hurting, those who were broken, those who were crushed by the tempter. I have seen God do great and amazing things in others. I have seen God do great and amazing things in myself. And it overwhelms me sometimes to think that God loves a sinner like me. But He said He would. And therefore He does. Because my God cannot lie. That's my Savior. We have the believer's faith. We have the believer's promise. Look at verse number 28. Here's the promise. And we know, we know that all things work together for good to them who are called according to His purpose. Look, we know that all things work together for good, but that doesn't make it any easier when you're going through the bad things. That's why we need each other. That's why we need to rely on our faith. We need to rely on our believing faith, and we need to rely on others who have believing faith. But don't ever forget, you need to learn to stand upon the promises. Standing upon the promises. We sing that song in church, don't we? But many times, I'll be honest with you, I have sung that song, standing on the promises of Christ my Lord, and i just going through the words. <laughs> the words never change. And God never changes. And the promises never change. But the way we sing it do, does, excuse me. Sorry, Jill, I said something stupid. One off the list. <laughs> you and I need to realize a great spiritual truth. You are not always going to get it. And sometimes you need to cut yourself a little slack. Sometimes you need to cut yourself a little slack. Remember, uh, there's a lot of good things about the old days. But there were some harsh things about the old days too. I mean, you could never admit that you actually sinned. You could say you had faults, but then all of a sudden, once everybody thought you were spiritual, and then you stood up in church and said, I got a fault, everybody would look at you. Wouldn't they? Am I right, y'all? Come on. I mean, I can't believe he said that. I mean, he's a deacon. I cannot believe she confessed that. Doesn't she know who her husband is? Doesn't she know what she does in church? They shouldn't say that. Am I right or am I wrong? You see, you and I need to understand that even though we are growing and maturing in our believer's faith, and we're growing and maturing in the promises, we have not arrived. We have not arrived. But here's the promise. Y'all remember when, G when Peter got out of the boat? Were you there? <laughs> I wasn't there, but I read about it, right? <laughs> Some of us feel like we're old enough to have been where Peter got out of the boat. Nevertheless, if you go back and study that, I encourage you to do so. Before they ever got on the shore, I mean on the boat, 
They were standing on the shore, and Jesus said, boys, I'll meet you on the other side. And then he sent them off. It's only about three hours paddling across there. The Bible says that they started paddling and a storm came up. It was in the fourth watch of the night. And if you've been in the military, you know what that means. The sun is about to come up. It's the last watch of the night. They had been rowing all night trying to get to the other shore. And they were exhausted. And Jesus comes walking by and they thought it was a ghost. Then Peter, listen, he did not exercise faith. He was being Peter. He says, if you be Christ, tell me and I'll come to you. Well, what if he wasn't? What if it was a demon? And he said, I'm Christ, come to me. Peter to sunk. Matter of fact, Peter sunk anyway. Peter gets out of the boat and he's doing fine as long as he's looking to Jesus. He gets his eyes off the Lord and what happens to him? He starts to sink. What has to happen? They have to get him back in the boat. And you want to know something? They still had to row the rest of the way. He only got there wet. And looking mighty foolish. All the other 11 stayed in the boat. And I'd love to have heard that. Here, there it is again. I'd love to have heard that conversation in that boat that day. Why didn't you just stay in the boat, Peter? Why couldn't you believe in Jesus, Peter? Why'd you have to, why'd you have to do that? Are you a show-off or something? I don't know. Now listen. Didn't the Lord say, didn't He tell us, that everyone He loves, He corrects and rebukes. It's not the end of the world. Didn't He also say that you just, you just trust Him, trust and believe? Didn't He also say He would save us to the uttermost? Didn't He also say that He would come and get us? He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I'd have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. But don't ever forget, it's going to get rocky and rough along the journey. Stay in the boat. Stay in the boat. Keep believing. Keep sharing your belief with others. Keep relying on your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't give up on them. If some of them get washed overboard, throw them a lifeline. If some of them get washed overboard and you can't reach them, pray for another boat to pick them up. And pray that you'll see them again on that other shore. Last thought and I'm through tonight. And again, I just want to thank you. But here is the final thought. We have the victory. You all know this Scripture. Verse 35 to the end of the, of, the, of the chapter. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I'm asking, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? There's nobody, is it? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Knowing all these things, we're more than conquerors. We are a mighty army marching on the way to our victory. But along the line, there's going to be some battles. And along the line, there's going to be some wars. Along the line, there's going to be some casualties. But keep on marching. Keep on going. We're sailors just moving along. Going to the next place of victory. Keep in the boat. Stay in the boat. Keep rowing. Even when it gets hard. No matter how the storm rages. Keep rowing. You're going to meet Him on the other shore. You're going to. He's going to be there. He's going to be there. And you will be thankful that you didn't quit marching. And you will be thankful that you didn't quit because there will be a crown of righteousness for you. 
Yes. How's your faith? How's your hope? How's your love? How's your mercy? How you doing? Are you okay? You okay? You doing all right? If not, I know the one that can make you just fine. Let's all stand tonight. I'm going to turn this over to Pastor Joe. I just want to thank you for allowing me to preach. And I pray as we have this invitation time, that if you need to just come and pray, you need to just ask the Lord to help you stay in the battle. Ask the Lord to help your faith to be encouraged, increased, grown. I invite you to come and pray. Maybe tonight you need to cast your burden, cast your care to the Lord. Maybe tonight you are struggling. You need a brother or sister to pray with you. Maybe you want to get together and pray and pray for others. Maybe you want to get together and pray for your lost loved ones. This altar's open. This altar's open for you. And if you feel like you're not loved, I pray you'd find this altar. And you would stay there until God shows you He loves you. It won't take long. Because God is love. Thank you, brethren. Pastor Joe. Amen. There's not a single thing I need to add to that altar call. If you need Christ tonight, come. Whether you need salvation, come. And if you're saved and you just want to thank the Lord, or maybe you do have that fault you need fixing. Maybe you do got that 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 issue, whatever it might be, grab somebody and come pray. When's the last time you grabbed somebody and said, would you come pray with me? They don't got to know what you're praying for. They ain't got to know what you're praying about. Grab somebody and pray. Let's pray tonight. This altar's open. If you have a need, would you come?
God, we come to you. We thank you for this time. God, thank you for dealing with hearts. God, thank you for the encouragement, Lord, that you've given tonight, for the help you've given to us, Lord. God, I pray that we would understand that we're in this same boat, Lord, that we'd keep rowing for you. We'd know that you're with us now and you're going to meet us on the other side. And Lord, it'll be worth it after all. God, I pray that you would unite us together, give us vision and hope and encouragement, Lord. God, give us that same faith that we had when we got saved, Lord. Give us that same simple trust of you, that same confidence, that same that same power over and same victory over our life and over our sin. God, I pray that you would prepare us, God, for the great things that you have in store for us. And Lord, that we keep looking to you for all things. Lord, that we would lift you high, magnify you, glorify you in all things. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, y'all, uh, I want to do something a little bit different tonight before we close. And I want to thank you guys for coming out each night. But tonight I want to give opportunity. If there's anybody who has just a, a word of testimony of what the Lord might have done for you tonight or, or this week, just something. If anybody has opportunity.